Good morning, Emmanuel. Please turn in your Bibles to the beginning of Luke and the beginning of Matthew, and you can kind of follow along with me. I'm not not going to, uh, because of time, keep referring back to the text. Um, but I do want to also start in, in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 5. But when, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. In the providence of God, God brought his son Jesus into the world at just the right time in history so that we might receive Jesus as our Savior and be adopted as sons into his kingdom. And it was the perfect time um, and it was the perfect place and God orchestrated all these events and today I want to talk about God's providence in the Christmas story. God's providence in the Christmas story. The word providence comes from two root words. Pra in Greek means before, while well, video or video, um, where we get our word video, uh, comes from the Latin uh, and it means to see. Taken together, the root words mean to see before or to see ahead. God sees the future, providio, and knows the future because he plans the future. The two root words also combine to form our word provide. This word provide is also in the word providence. It's inside there, inside the word. So the word providence has the meaning that God not only sees ahead or before, but he plans ahead to provide what we will need in the future. His provision or providence may include meeting our material needs, meeting our spiritual needs, providing encouragement for us when we need it, um, providing guidance for us when we need it. We're merely carrying out his plan in our lives. Essentially, God's providence is his working all things together for good in the lives of his people and his care for us according to his plan and his purpose. So if we believe that God is in control of all things that occur in history, that he's sovereign over all events, then everything that happens is his providence, is a providence, as I call it. Or all events in history are providences, little providences of God. And God's providence um, includes his perfect timing for orchestrating his plan, bringing people and events together at just the right time. His providence is often counterintuitive in the sense that it does not always work out in the way that we think it should. Often God takes unpleasant occurrences in our lives, including even 
the evil actions of Satan or of people and uses these events for good in our lives. As in the story of Joseph, when Joseph told his brothers who had sold him into slavery, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Often we don't see God's providences. Often we go through our lives and we don't see God arranging events or we don't see God's hand moving things in his care for us or some things that occur seem insignificant to us. They seem random, perhaps, or coincidental or, or not even worth mentioning, some of the, the occurrences that happen. But there are certain things, certain ways and times that God reveals his hand in our lives. And he shows his hand and he shows us that, hey, I'm working this together for good in your life. I'm, I'm the one that or- is orchestrating things in your life, that is bringing things together, that's causing things to occur in such a way. Some examples of God's providence would be, well, I, I thought of one example while we were singing this morning. Um, having a city engineer uh, as one of my pastors, George Dry, uh, when our um, when when the city of Normal uh, broke our sewer line, <laughs> so that he was able to talk to them and, and get them to pay, um, encourage them to pay, so we didn't have to pay the bill. Um, that was a providence of God. Um, a, few, a humorous one uh, a few years ago when the uh, one of the candles caught the wreath on fire, Gabe jumping up and putting it out. Uh, that was a, a providence of God so that the building didn't catch on fire. <laughs> God working through Gabe there. Um, so, I mean, if, if we look for God's hand, we're going to see it more often. Um, if we're not looking, we might suppose things are coincidental or just random, or uh, we might just give the credit to Gabe. Um, <laughs> instead of giving the glory to God uh, or give the credit to George. Um, but, and, and thank you, George, for doing that for us. But, but the Lord used you as he has many times. Perhaps one of the greatest examples of God's providence in the life of his people is in the Christmas story. God provided Jesus, his son, to be our Savior and a sacrifice for our sins. But he also provided for the needs of Mary and Joseph and Jesus during this time. So God provided Jesus as a Savior, but his providence began with Jesus' ancestry. Think of all the people in the genealogy of Jesus, or the genealogies, that had to marry and have children in order for Jesus to be born. And Jesus had a sordid ancestry. His genealogy is made up of Jews and Gentiles and sinners who committed all types of sin. Jesus even had sexual sin in his ancestry. He had at least one ancestor that was conceived out of sexual sin of the worst kind, incest. Or one of the worst kinds. God used sinners to bring Jesus into the world. So there was, there was Tamar and Judah. So Tamar tricked her father-in-law Judah, uh, posing as a prostitute, and had sex with him. 
and conceived and bore Perez in the genealogy of Christ. Um, so Perez, who, who was born out of this sexual immorality, was Jesus' ancestor. And then there was Rahab, who had been a Canaanite prostitute before she helped the Israelite spies escape. And there was Ruth, the Moabitess, who was the great-grandmother of King David. It was, and then it was through ad- David's adulterous relationship and resulting marriage to Bathsheba that Joseph's ancestor Solomon and Nathan, the ancestor of Mary and Jesus, were, were conceived. Two children of Bathsheba, Solomon and Nathan. David said we were all conceived in sin, as a matter of fact. That his, he was conceived in sin. And that applies to us. God used converted idolatrous Gentiles and offspring that were conceived as a result of sexual sin to bring Jesus into the world. This shows us that there are no illegitimate children in God's eyes. All human life is precious to God. Although your birth may not have been planned by your parents, your birth was planned by God. And he has a purpose for your life. We are all born sons of disobedience and children of wrath. And those of us who who believe are adopted into the family of God. Just think, if you take one birth out of your ancestry, you would not have been born. But God planned that you would be born from eternity past. And if you are a child of God by faith, he also planned that you would be born again. If one ancestor was missing in the genealogy of Christ, there would be no Savior. God even worked through evil in a sinful ancestry to bring Jesus, to bring us a Savior in Jesus. Sexual sin is evil, but God uses even evil for good. There is another interesting provenance in the genealogies of Joseph and Mary. Jesus inherited the throne through Joseph. But Joseph was his adopted father. Jesus was also a descendant of David through his mother Mary. Joseph was the descendant of David's son Solomon, while Mary was a descendant of David's son Nathan. Both Solomon and Nathan were children of Bathsheba. But if Jesus had been the biological descendant of Joseph and not his adopted son, he could not sit on the throne of his father David because of the curse of Jeconiah who is the ancestor of Joseph. In Jeremiah 22.30, the Lord said that none of Jeconiah's descendants would prosper sitting on the throne of David and ruling anymore in Judah. Yet in 2 Samuel 7, the Lord told David that his house and his kingdom would be established forever. This prophecy is fulfilled through Jesus, who was the descendant of Mary, David through Mary, the descendant of David's son Nathan, but also the heir of the throne through adoption by Joseph, who was the descendant of the line of the kings through David's son Solomon. So Jesus could be sit on the throne because he was not the descendant or the heir of Jeconiah. He became king through adoption. Now, an important part of the Christmas story is God's special providence to both Mary and Jesus in bringing John the Baptist into the world. Before the angel Gabriel came to Mary to announce the birth of Jesus, he announced to Zacharias that his wife Elizabeth would conceive and bear a son in her old age. Their son would become a prophet, 
the forerunner of Christ, who would prepare the way for the Messiah, who would announce the ministry of Jesus and direct men toward him and even baptize the Son of God. We should not underestimate the importance of John the Baptist and God's plan for preparing the way for the ministry of Jesus. But in a way, as John was the forerunner of Jesus, Elizabeth was the forerunner of Mary. Her conception and pregnancy was a providence for Mary as well as for Zacharias and her. God provided the angel Gabriel to announce the birth of Jesus to Mary, but he provided Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, also in her pregnancy, to be an encouragement and a refuge for Mary during her pregnancy. When Mary asked Gabriel after his announcement that she would give birth to Jesus, how can this be or how can I bear a child since I do not know a man? Gabriel told her the Holy Spirit would come upon her so that she would conceive the Son of God. But the angel also gave her a sign of sorts to encourage her and strengthen her faith by announcing another miracle to her. That her cousin Elizabeth had also conceived a son, not without a human father like Mary, but she had conceived in her old age after having been barren her whole life and was already in her sixth month of pregnancy. And then Gabriel said something very profound. He said, for with God, nothing will be impossible. The pregnancy of Elizabeth in her old age was a lesson to Mary that it was not impossible for her to bear the Son of God as a virgin, because with God, nothing is impossible. Think how this must have encouraged Mary as she faced the scandal of friends and family, even Joseph discovering her pregnancy. Many would not believe that Mary conceived in her virginity, But Mary could trust in God to work it all out because nothing was impossible with him. Then look at what happened next in the story. Mary left town and went to visit Zacharias and Elizabeth with haste. And she spent three months with Elizabeth. Mary believed what Gabriel told her about Elizabeth, but she wanted to see Elizabeth after hearing the news, so she made haste. And look at how the Lord encouraged Mary through Elizabeth when she arrived. In Luke 1.41, And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of my greeting sounded in your ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believe, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. What an encouragement this must have been to Mary. Elizabeth prophesied, and the Lord revealed to Elizabeth the truth about Mary's pregnancy so that Mary did not even have to tell her. Elizabeth believed and needed no convincing This immediately strengthened Mary's faith in the truth that had been revealed to her. And her faith that the Lord would see her through this trial of a potentially scandalous pregnancy. And even baby John recognized Jesus in the womb. Mary responded to Elizabeth's prophetic encouragement with a song of praise that we call the Magnificat. In which she praised the Lord for his providence. 
Even speaking of the reversal irony of how God feeds the poor and sends the rich away empty and how he puts the mighty down from their thrones and exalts the lowly. Mary returned home at the end of three months with Elizabeth. Can you imagine what a wonderful time that Mary had with Elizabeth and Zacharias? Feeling that John the Baptist kick in Elizabeth's womb and talking about the wondrous things that God had done for them. But now Mary was beginning to show and it was time for her to face the music, so to speak, when she returned home. Oh my. But God provided for her. Elizabeth and Zechariah may have sent a letter with her to her parents, letting them know what God revealed to them about her child and about their own child, or a message of some sorts. But somehow God provided and took care of this. Perhaps this a letter or something like that helped her parents understand. Maybe we don't know how Mary was received by her parents or her community. But we do know that when Joseph, her betrothed, realized she was pregnant, he was going to divorce her. He was going to put her away privately. But God provided guidance for Joseph and delivered Mary from divorce by sending an angel to Joseph in a dream. And the angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So this was done in fulfillment of prophecy. Another another providence. And that brings us to the question, is prophecy... Is the fulfillment of prophecy the providence, or is the prophecy itself the providence? Because the prophecy itself is an encouragement to God's people when the prophecy is fulfilled. And and is a sign to God's people that, hey, this is Jesus, this is the Messiah. They're both providences, the prophecy and the fulfillment, are providences of God. So when Joseph awoke from his dream, where he saw the angel... He married Mary. I like saying that, Mary, Mary. Uh, God took care of the scandal, at least with Joseph, and perhaps it was a blessing that they could leave town for the birth of Jesus to escape the scandal again for a time. Now, because of the census of Caesar Augustus, Joseph and Mary had to travel to Bethlehem while she was pregnant and getting close to delivering Jesus. This would have been a difficult and perilous journey for them. But the Lord brought them safely to Bethlehem. And through Caesar Augustus' decree and their journey to Bethlehem, the prophecy of Micah 5.2 was fulfilled. But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are a little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are, are, are from of old, from everlasting." Wow, that right there says that Jesus was God 
His goings forth were from old, of old, from everlasting. Also in God's providence, Augustus' census provided a definitive historical event, which adds veracity and historical setting to the biblical narrative of Jesus' birth. That was a big deal, Augustus' census in history. So it gives us a definite point of reference for Jesus' birth in history. Now, can you imagine what Joseph and Mary thought when they arrived in Bethlehem and there was no room in the inn? And Mary had to lay the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in a manger? And I've seen some funny memes about how Joseph might have, I mean, Mary might have responded to Joseph uh, in this situation. But, uh, but God provided a place for them amongst the animals. And this very difficult circumstance was by his design. For through this lowly setting of Jesus' birth, the Lord provided a sign for the shepherds and for all men that the Son of Man, though previously enthroned in heaven, could be approached by those humble shepherds who attended the animals and all of those of lowly estate. For Jesus, who was born amongst the animals, was truly meek and lowly of heart. He was truly approachable and given as Messiah and Savior for all kinds of men, whether kings or shepherds. For the angel told the shepherds when he announced Christ's birth to them, And this shall be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Of course, the multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men was also a sign to the shepherds and a providence to them. And then the shepherds' visit was certainly an encouragement to Mary and Joseph and perhaps explained to them the purpose for their difficulty finding lodging. A sign for the shepherds and a sign to all men that Jesus came for us as he came for the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And my hope is that you will read the Christmas story with your family today. The whole thing. First few chapters of Matthew and Luke today or tonight or tomorrow. And ponder these things in your heart. Think about God's providence. How he provided a savior for you. When Mary and Joseph went to the temple after the days of her purification to offer a sacrifice for Jesus because he was her firstborn, a just and devout man was there waiting for Jesus. Simeon had been waiting for Jesus, the consolation of Israel for much of his life. And the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would see him before his death. So the Holy Spirit providentially led Simeon to the temple on the day that Joseph and Mary and Jesus came, at the right time. As it, as it is written, So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles 
and the glory of your people, Israel. Another tremendous encouragement for Joseph and Mary. Because it says, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I imagine that Mary thought of Simeon's words as she watched her son led to Golgotha to be crucified. And perhaps they were a consolation for her. The prophetess Anna also came at this time, God's appointed time, for the scripture says, And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who look for redemption in Israel, in Jerusalem. And then in Matthew, we learn that God providentially aligned the stars to signify the time of Christ's birth. From eternity past, he planned that the stars would align and that the star in the east would reveal the timing of his arrival to the wise men who knew he was to be born in Bethlehem based on the prophecy in Micah 5.2. The wise men followed the star, which providentially came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now the Lord provided these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh for the child and his parents through the wise men. The value of these gifts would have been of great help to them, in their journeys and fleeing from Herod, and also carried symbolic significance. Furthermore, this was another encouragement and confirmation for Mary and Joseph. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. So God providentially intervened to stop the wise men from going back and telling Herod, where Jesus was because Herod wanted to kill him. And Satan wanted to kill Jesus through Herod. But God providentially intervened to protect and continue to provide us a Savior in Jesus. And they went to their country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother Flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the child and his mother by night and departed from Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I will call my son. So two more providences here. The Lord directed Joseph to get out of Dodge to flee uh, Bethlehem um, with Jesus and Mary before Herod sent his soldiers to kill all the, the children and to try to kill Jesus. And this was a fulfillment of prophecy because the prophecy was that out of Egypt I called my son, which is sort of a double, 
a double, has a double meaning. That Israel came out of Egypt when Moses led them out, but also Jesus, the Son of God, was called out of Egypt. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they were, are no more. This is one of the most tragic accounts in Scripture, the death of all these children, these innocent children. But God provided for their Savior. Their Savior escaped, and because their Savior escaped, they escaped too. And now they're with Him in heaven these children, these blessed little children. Now when Herod was dead, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. Another providence, God's guidance through the angel, returned to Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned again by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. So through God's warning, he escaped Archelaus and Judea and returned to Nazareth in fulfillment of the prophecy that he shall be called a Nazarene. So, all the many providences of God in the story of Christmas. God protecting Jesus, though Satan tried to kill him through Herod. And God's providence for Joseph and Mary and Jesus in the Christmas story is God's providence for us. Because he was providing Jesus for us to be our Savior. And so this is our story of how God provided. Every incident that God provided for Mary and Joseph and Jesus, he provided for us. And so I want you to think of that and ponder that in your heart. But also, I want you to think about God's providence in your story. I want you to think about the ways that God has orchestrated events in your life so that you were born to lead you to family, the blessings he has given you, the jobs, the direction, the guidance, the ways he's used you, the ways he's spoken to you, the ways he's revealed himself to you. And his kindness to you in Christ. The way he led you to the Savior. And I'm reminded of some recent providences in my life and in the life of our church that just over a year ago, 
I left Salem. And the same week, the same week that I left Salem, Keith went to the hospital with sepsis. And I preached for him. Would not have been able to do that. I would have been working most of those weekends. But I was able to fill in to preach by God's providence. And around the same time, Brent became unemployed as the bank at State Farm closed down. And George, we found out that George had cancer. And Brent and I were both employed, unemployed, excuse me. We were employed here at the church, but we were unemployed. And because of that, we were able to fill in um, for Keith and, and where, where George would have filled in, but he was not able. And, and God brought Keith through all that in his providence, and he's still here. And George is still here with us today. Yeah. And they're here. And just a few weeks ago, Keith had an ear infection. And if it weren't for that ear infection that did permanent damage to his inner ear, the doctors would not have known about an aneurysm that he has that they're they're looking at now to treat. And I believe God is going to, the Lord is going to, they're going to be able to fix that. God used an ear infection. Um, that's the providence of our God, that he works all things together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. And while he has provided for our church financially, he's provided. We A few years ago, we as elders prayed that God would bring more people to our church that we could encourage and bless with the word. And he's done that. Many of you here are an answer to that prayer that God has brought you here. The more that you look for God's hand, the more you will see it in your own life, and the more you will see it around you. Because he works all things according to the counsel of his will. And I also want to encourage you. There are many in the world that are that are cynical. And where we would see the hand of God, they see coincidence, chance. Don't listen to them. Don't be afraid of being thought kooky or goofy because you see God's hand in everything. His hand is in everything, providing for us. Every good and perfect gift is from above and ascends from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. Stop and thank Him. Stop and thank Him for each providence, even the ones that you don't understand. 
was driving to work one day a few years ago, and my car just went from 55 to 20. I was like, what's going on? And I couldn't get it up to speed. Oh, no. What's going on? I just prayed, God, that you would encourage me, and, and, and you give me this. What's going on here, Lord? Well, I call my mechanic in Gridley, and uh, he told me, you know, stop your car and restart it, and we got it going again, and he said, yeah, come on in. I need to look at it, and we'll figure out what's going on, and immediately after I got off the phone with him, I got a call from Rod Katavanakanti, co-worker. He was sitting in the mechanic's office and heard my name when the guy was talking to him on the phone, and he said, hey. I hear you're coming to the mechanic. Uh, I can drop you by work. And uh, before I go home, I was here at the mechanic. And I was like, that was the answer to prayer. That was the encouragement I was looking for. But I had to have my car need to be repaired to get their encouragement, right? <laughs> God's providence, he using, him using all things together for good in our lives. So whatever you're going through right now, that's not the end of the story. God has a purpose for it. God has a plan for it to use it for your good. If you trust in him, then you are his adopted child and he'll work all things together for good in your life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for revealing to us your hand in the life of Joseph and Mary and Jesus and for providing for us a Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. Thank you for working in our lives. Thank you for your plan for us. Thank you for your care, for your provision for our salvation through Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.